Hey everybody, this is Rob from DC Primetime and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, and I'm here to tell you about a couple friends of ours, and that's the fine folks over at BoardGameBento.com. Now, if you're not familiar with who they are, they offer a great loot box experience for you monthly, and what they do is each month, Board Game Bento comes with a theme surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. The best part, each box comes with at least $80 worth of games, and it's mailed right to your door. Take advantage of a special offer that we're putting on right now from the fine folks at Next Level and Board Game Bento by using the offer code NEXTLEVEL, all one word, at checkout over at BoardGameBento.com. There's never been a better time to start building your board game collection. Welcome, Primers, to this Supergirl Volume 2, I guess? Annual Number 2, that's what we'll call it. Because I, I think that's what we call the Legends Annual, was Annual Number 2. Yeah, so. So, uh, coming in off of our 4th of July weekend, but before 4th of July, actually, you guys will be hearing this on 4th of July, if not afterwards, depending on. Uh, so, with that being said, if you're in the States, of course... Because uh, I know some of our listeners are in Canada. In that case, uh, happy belated Canada Day, which I know was, I think, Saturday? I want to say. I could be wrong. I know. I have no idea. I know our listener, Paul, uh, uh, listener friend Paul, could be able to shine some light on that a little bit. Uh, but So if you're in Canada, happy belated Canada Day. If you're in the States, uh, happy 4th of July. Uh, but from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And as we mentioned, we're bringing you our second of four annuals this year. Uh, or this season, rather. That's year, season, same thing. Well, we have another half annual to do this summer still. That's the other episode we were forgetting that, that, about. That is. That's the other one that, yeah, we needed to do. Um, you know what? We were, we were doing some prep before, um, obviously before we started recording as we usually did. And one thing I didn't bring up, uh, that listener Shad brought to our attention and since has gotten a lot of, um, public, um, public attention. And I think it's something we should, we should bring up at least to our listeners who don't know, especially early instead of at the end of the episode. But yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's very important. It's, it's, it's prime in media right now. And I know like even Danny Trejo and a bunch of other celebrities have stepped up to try their best to help. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, actor Donald Logue from who you know as, um, as Harvey from Gotham, uh, his daughter Jade is missing. Uh, we don't know. I, how old is his daughter? Do we know? Uh, 16. She's 16. Uh, and I think she's been missing for almost a week now. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a bit of time. And I know like, um, Donald is, uh, like there obviously is any person who would lose a child, like his, his child is missing. Uh, they're desperate, um, to, to get the word out and such. I mean, I, I, even as far as, and I know we shared it on the Facebook page, um, as far as to say, like, look, we don't care. Like, all we want is our daughter back. Like, we don't want to prosecute. We don't care. All, all we want is her back. And I, I, I mean, again, like, I'm not a parent. I've, I've come close to being a parent, um, in 
you know, with people that I've dated, but it's who have kids, but uh, I can completely understand this. So of course, uh, being fans of Donald and, and Gotham and of course, just being human beings with a heart, uh, we want to see Jade come back. Um, safe and sound. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what the details are. We don't know if this is a kidnapping, if she's run, if she's run away. Uh, the details are scarce. I'm sure that the family is keeping things very close to the chest, which is to be completely expected. Uh, but there is a post on our Facebook page, um, from Donald Logue's Facebook, uh, account. Uh, we have shared it. We ask that you go onto our Facebook page or go onto his Facebook page, share it as well. Get the word out. I think that she was last seen, I, I think in Brooklyn, which is where they live. Um, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, New York. So obviously our thoughts uh, and prayers are going out to, um, uh, their family and in hopes for a safe return for Jade and, and that she gets, you know, she, she gets home safe and sound. Uh, and again, I know, like I mentioned, like I, I read earlier today, Danny Trejo has come out and said he's going to help in the search and, uh, and, and as well as a number, I'm sure the cast, I know, um, uh, our friend Drew Powell from Gotham has posted and is constantly posting about it on Twitter and Facebook and such. So, uh, the word is out. We want to put the word out as much as we possibly can to in hopes that, uh, Jade returns safe. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we, of course, being a DC podcast and Donald being part of the DC universe, um, it wouldn't be right if we didn't mention it. So absolutely. No, absolutely with you on that one. Um, Let's get to business, though, and talk about Supergirl. As we do in any of our annuals, this is the season two annual, uh, or, yeah, ver- volume, annual number two for season two of Supergirl. And the things, of course, we are going to discuss as we do in every annual are our favorite and least favorite episodes of the season, favorite and least favorite characters from the season, favorite and least favorite moments from the season. At the end, we will rate the villains and the big bad of the season as well as the season as a whole. Uh, we'll make some predictions too, of course, if we think of any along this, along the way. But I think, uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty good warning, uh, to our listeners that just like Legends last week, uh, we've been spacing these annuals out to do every two weeks so that we have time to watch episodes. Uh, and of course, life gets in the way, and I don't think either one of us has watched, gone back and watched any episodes of Supergirl in these past two weeks. No, 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 uh, not at all. <laughs> we, we've had other things, um, you know, for the, the holiday weekend has come up. Um, I'm in the process of gearing my apartment up to move into a house by the end of the year. Um, there's just so much, you know, we have work during the day and so much happens by the time, you know, we, we haven't really had a chance. So we're going to go off the cuff, but we have ideas on what we're going to do. And just like Legends, as we're talking about it, I'm sure more stuff will come up. And we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I I hate to say it, but I think this is going to be the roughest of the annuals. I think as far as a uh, recollection, um, I, I think it's just because I think out of all the seasons, I really loved everything that we saw across the DC you know Arrowverse shows this year. Um, Supergirl, looking back upon it as I was reading back through the wiki of all the episodes and going back through it. Uh, I, I definitely think this one fell in my least favorite. I have some of my favorite characters, but I, I think this definitely fell in my least favorite of the four shows. Yeah, so. I, I would agree with that too. I mean, if you, if you have to rank the four shows, I think Supergirl, I think it's very easy to put Supergirl at number four. Um, I know there are people out there that would disagree with that completely. Uh, and it's not, 
Again, that's not to say when you when you have shows of this caliber and you have one that falls to the bottom of the list. That's not to say the show sucks at all. No, no, no. It's just also the fact that the other shows were also so strong this season. And I think Supergirl has still has to find itself. Um, I think where Legends had the opportunity to be on the same network last season versus this past one that just wrapped. Um they were already in a, uh, you know in their home they already had like you know their feet wet knew what they needed to do this show had to restart like it lost characters because of the move between networks um you know and the fact that we now know the showrunner is leaving so the question is was there some problems you know with that behind the scenes as well um they also had to get shoehorned into several other plots that really weren't part of their show at all so they had to squeeze Melissa around to get her into things like the musical crossover and invasion and all this stuff. So, um, but you know, I think as a whole, though, like I said, I'm, I'm still looking forward to diving into this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it's like you said, the, the show moved from it was CBS, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, moved from CBS to CW, which oh, we all agreed it was a great move for the show. Uh, you know, it's it's a place that it should have been to begin with. But when you make a move like that, there are obviously a lot of changes that need to happen to the show and, and changes that, that should happen to the show. Uh, and it's almost like this, it, while it is the second season, the show started over. Yeah. Uh, you know, in having to develop new characters, develop new storylines, as well as, as much as people don't realize it, find an audience again. Because, you know, you have people who didn't watch it on CW. Or didn't watch it on CBS, so didn't start watching it until season two. So now you've you have to develop storylines that build, um, you know, that build your audience back up again because you may have lost it when people. I know people who stopped watching season one because they didn't like what CBS did with the show. Yeah, and they never and they never went back to watch season two because they were season one left a bad taste in your mouth. So it was almost like a new beginning when it came to the CW. Um, but starting with, um, some of our favorites, uh, let's start with favorite characters. Uh, I know, I think usually we start with favorite episodes, but, um, start with favorite and least favorite characters. Cause it, it, it kind of rolls into it. Um, I know one of my favorite characters and I think it's probably going to fall on your list too. I'm uh, sure you and me match up exactly on who our favorite's going to be. <laughs> God. I mean, when you talk about a new beginning for Supergirl, when you move to CW, God, Man, do you get it right when you bring in Superman? Actually, that's not who I'm gonna go with. Oh, so okay. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm going with uh, I'm going with Tyler as Superman. I mean, this I've said this before as we've talked about this. Granted, we only saw him in three or four episodes of this entire season, bookending the season. But in just in those four episodes, I kind of comparing to Tom Holland as Spider-Man in Civil War in that just that little bit that we got was so amazing that you look forward to more. That's what I like. I, Man of Steel, such a bad taste in my mouth. His Tyler's rendition of Superman is one of the best I have ever seen on screen. And for that reason, I, I, I have to give him my favorite character. I do have a, I, have, I do have a runner up, but I'll let you go first. Uh, see, for me, like I said, as much as I wanted to say, you know, Tyler's uh, version of Clark, absolutely loved it. But again, we're talking about three appearances. You know, Cat Grant had about as much screen time as he did this season. And I would probably actually put her ahead because I love what she brings to the yeah. show. But 
There's one person very specifically though that elevated the season that we didn't have last year. Okay, which I know who you're, was I know who you're going Monel. With. Yep, Monel and Chris Wood's portrayal of that character made the show so much just greater than it already was. I mean, it, it they were able to build new bones to the show, and he was a big foundation of that this season. Uh, I love the relationship between him and Kara, his cockiness, his, just his general attitude constantly, and uh, the chaos that he kind of brought in his wake. He was such a fun character, and we feel like we just still scratched the surface of him, even with him being in to the mix, uh, you know, only since episode three. I mean, he was in a coma in episode one and two, but uh, we didn't see him wake up until the end or the very be- uh, end of episode uh, two this season. So, yeah, which was good timing because we left this giant hole in this this season when Clark leaves and heads back to Metropolis. Uh, so when we get Chris, you know, Chris Wood wakes up as mon and then we get a full episode with him. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I, there's still a character here that's got all eyes on him. So. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that too. Um, I do have a runner up, uh, however, in that, um, I, I, I'm, I really grew on the guardian storyline with Jimmy. Uh, this was something that I, if you remember back in the beginning of the season when we were talking about this, I was very skeptical about because uh, the guardian, um, from Cadmus is, is a character that's very near and dear to my heart from reading like death of Superman comics and, and such when I was younger. So I was very skeptical as to where they were going with it. And while it's not the version of guardian, I know, I kind of think they're getting there. Uh, it's a slow burn, but I think in season three, if they focus more on Cadmus again, because we know Cadmus is still around, I think we're going to get the version of Guardian I've been waiting for. And I, I, I think I, I was a big fan of Jimmy towards the end of the season, especially in uh, a particular episode towards the end. And like, for the life of me now, I can't remember. Uh, oh, City of Lost Children was the episode, uh, I, which not my favorite episode of the season, but I thought it was a really good Jimmy uh, James episode uh, for the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, I would definitely say is a good runner up there for me is definitely going to be uh, Clark or Cat Grant. They kind of tie. So okay. Um, and we got four episodes of of Tyler, not three. Uh, yeah, sort of. Resist so, was kind of. Uh, you know, okay. He showed up. He showed up for a, a, the last three or four seconds of uh, episode twenty one. Uh, so. right. He was, he was credited. um this is a tough one for me least favorite character of the season oh oh oh! pick me pick me all right go first cyborg superman oh good use of a character damn ever and the worst facial prosthetic makeup for that character in my opinion you know, I'm actually even just going to jump ahead to the news real quick because even David Harewood actually was at a Supernova Comic Convention in uh, Australia. And uh, there was a somebody that asked him in the audience, um, you know, as far as uh, the character of Cyborg Superman and, you know, what it was like playing double duty. And he said, I did not like playing Cyborg Superman. He's like, it's boring. They didn't flesh him out. They didn't write for the character at all. They just gave me this rather cheap looking mask and no costume and said, OK, you're Cyborg Superman. And uh, he's like, but I didn't really, it didn't really pan out. They didn't go into why he was a cyborg, how he became a cyborg, what his powers were. It was just kind of randomly calling him Cyborg Superman. Uh, he said uh, he was very excited about it every time he got to find out about the character. And he was like, awesome. And then he saw the costume. He was like, huh. And then he said anytime he <laughs> saw that in his trailer, he said he switched off because he said he knew it was going to be a very boring day. So 
Uh, that was that's even what David Harewood said. So for him to come out actively this this clearly at this convention and say, yeah, this is a shit character. Uh, I really, really hope that they pay attention to that when they uh, go in for filming this season. So. Yeah, or do they replace David Harewood? <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that because I love him as Martian Manhunter. So I, I do too. I, I, don't I, I absolutely do too. So. Um, on that note, I, I it's I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be my favorite, my least favorite character as well, Cyborg Superman. It's more for one because I was disappointed that it wasn't uh, Dean Kane. I was, exp- I would, I would have loved if it was Jeremiah Danvers. Uh, but I'm still sticking to my prediction that Jeremiah Danvers might be the eradicator. Uh, I hope that comes to fruition. I really do. Because that would be amazing if that happens. Um, but I, I'm kind of disappointed in, on the other side of David Harewood, that we didn't get more Martian Manhunter this season. Yeah, he was really relegated to the background this season. Yeah. Kind I- of disappointing. Um, aside from like, uh, you know, the stuff we saw with McGann, um, he didn't have much of a role this season at all. No, especially for one of the things like going back to like, listen to our annual from season one, our favorite thing about that show in general back then was the relationship between Kara, John and Alex and barely exist in this season, barely at all. Um, which I think is a negative to the show. I, I no, I agree with you completely. Um, so I, I, that was a little bit of a disappointment for me was that we didn't get to see more of, uh, of him as we were, as the season went on. Yeah. So hopefully that changes a little bit. I mean, again, I can kind of chalk it up to the move from CBS to CW because you've got budget things to worry about. C- CW obviously, while a successful network is a much smaller budget than CBS, um, so, I mean, hopefully we can chalk it up to that and they find ways around that next season and we get more of them. Right. So, um, favorite episodes, uh, from this season. And I, I say episodes because I know we agree on this. Like we did favorite. Well, actually, we didn't agree on favorite character, but we've already talked about this during prep. So I know we agree on this. Yeah. This is like one of the few things we actually talked about. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I, how about this? You say the first part and I'll say the second part. <laughs> um, I say the first part. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, favorite, one of my favorite episodes, season one or season two, episode one, Adventures of Supergirl. Uh, Mine would be, uh, season two, episode two, <laughs> The Last Children of Krypton. This is a amazing way, as we mentioned a little bit earlier on, this is how you start a season. You bring in heavy hitters and you go full blown right from the start. You're in your second season. You've already, again, I mean, I know it's kind of hypocritical to say because we said with the move, you have to rebuild your audience. But this is how you do it. You bring in a character that everybody knows, that being Superman, and you 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 take it right from there and you drive forward. Um, you know, you bring in that character that everybody recognizes. You make it a lot of fun. Cause like I said, this is one of the best versions of Superman I have seen on screen for a while. This is the fun Boy Scout Superman I have been waiting for since probably the original with Christopher Reeve. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Like, I think this version that Tyler Hodgson plays is perfect. Um, you know, this time last year at San Diego Comic Con when we got to see those first shots of him. Everyone's like, oh, crap, this looks terrible. 
And I'm like, wait, 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 just give it time. It's yeah, I didn't, promo I didn't shot. say that at all. Oh, the, no, well, I know the first promo either. shot, I think I did say. I'm like, eh, it's all right. And then we saw the second promo shot, and I was like, yep, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I, from having knowledge of him already from back in Teen Wolf, I was like, man, this is such a good call. This is such a fantastic call. And the moment we saw him, you know, you know rocking, rocking the cape, I was just blown away. Just the way he carried himself, the way he reacted, like watching his interactions with Kara, and then like the the fun little moments too between you know him and Cat Grant, like all these little things that they did with him, it was so spot on, perfect. And I love that there was a history between him and John already. They did all these little things in these first two episodes that made that character very unique, very interesting. Yeah, and we're not even touching upon the fact that some of my favorite villains that pop in just for those episodes, Metallo. Uh, they had the two versions of Metallo running around, and I love how well they, they did that as well. It, it was a way to start this, this season off with a bang. And we already got introduced to Lena Luthor at the time, played by Katie McGrath. You pick up the Cadmus storyline again, all these little things, all these moving parts, immediately back into the mix, and it says, this is why you should be paying attention. Yes. I mean, well, I mean, the other thing with about it with me, too, was, I mean, you knew of Tyler before the show had started from Teen Wolf, and I never watched Teen Wolf. Tyler was a completely unknown to me. Uh, so I, I didn't know how, I mean, when I saw the the second of the promo shots, I was like, yeah, I'm like, okay, he, he's got a look of Superman. This is cool. But personality-wise, I don't know how he's going to be. But in that opening scene with him and Kara, like, fighting off the bank robbers in the car, and the, I, I don't even remember the exact line of dialogue, but when they're shooting guns at him and he's just like, you realize that doesn't work, right? I was like, that's, that's it. Like, that's fucking it right there. That's the personality. Everything else, like that little quirky Boy Scout humor, that's what every version of Superman since Christopher Reeve has been missing. Mm-hmm. And the writers got it right with his character. And that's why... Those just those two opening episodes of the season were just fantastic. Yeah, I'm absolutely love it. Now I I, I kind of want to go back and rewatch them. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're talking about them, <laughs> why don't I watch them before this annual? Uh, there there is one other one I have to give at least a a nice mention to though because it was such a fun episode and that is also season two episode thirteen, Mister and Mrs. Mitsapitalix is how they put it in the show, yeah. which I, I hate that pronunciation of it. So, Mr. and Mrs. Mitsapitalix. So, uh, such a fun, incredibly well, well done episode. Had the beautiful humor to it, and it was just, just fun. Just absolutely stupid fun. Uh, down to, like, the duel on stage, uh, you know, at, at the, uh, the opera house. Like, all of these little things that they did. And then, just getting to see, like, how Kara's going to trick him into saying, like, spelling out his name backwards. Uh, it was just, it just made me smile. Every <laughs> moment of the episode just made me smile. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if we're going to do a runner up too, I'm going to, I mentioned it a little bit earlier on. Um, I, I want to give it to City of Lost Children. Uh, I know it wasn't one of the stronger episodes, but this was an episode, and I think you and I were different on our ratings of this too when we talked about this during that week. Um, but I want to give it to that one because that was a really, strong episode for James and I think that was something that w- had been lacking this entire that in the entire season uh that was something we had been missing for a while was you know we got a lot of strength out of James as guardian um 
you know, but, and he had become guardian to try and prove himself because he didn't feel adequate as James. But this episode proved that not as guardian, but as James, he's just as strong a person. So I, I, I want to give my runner up to City of Lost Children nice. for that, for that reason alone. Understandable. Um, and again, I hope this means that, you know, we're going to get more of James next season, uh, and, and especially even more of Guardian and the Guardian that we know. Least favorite episode of the season. I know we're definitely, uh, different on this one. I have a three way tie. So. <laughs> I'll let you go first then. Episodes 18, Ace Reporter. Episode 19, Alex. And episode 20, City of Lost Children. Well, you took uh, mine. <laughs> Main reason for this is as much as City of Lost Children was a great episode, Alex was a good episode, and Ace Reporter was a good episode. The fact that they fell after the episode number 17, which was Distant Sun, which is kind of like, hey, we now know who our big bad is for this season, and there's only five episodes to go until the season end, and we just was we just were introduced to them like only two episodes beforehand. The fact that they lost three episodes in the home stretch with nothing to do with any of those characters was the dumbest move this show has ever, ever made. Um, it was just, I, I just, I don't understand what the fuck the showrunner was thinking. And I'm very happy the showrunner is moving on to other pastures back at CBS. And we have other people taking over next season because this was such a massive mistake. And we pinged the show for it nonstop these last couple weeks of the show. Like, what the, what's the plot of this season? I have no idea anymore. Yeah. Because, you can't do that when nobody knows who your big bad is. Cause like going through this episode list tonight, so many episodes are focused on Cadmus, 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 Cadmus. And that's just dropped. And then it's kind of like, well, who's the big bad? And then Rhea and Largan come in and I'm like, okay, so I guess it's going to be Rhea. And then you're like, they just did three episodes where we barely even have a mention of them. And the show wraps up in five. W- what are they doing? So, no, yeah, I, I yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, Ace Reporter was the one I was giving it to my my least favorite, and it was for that main reason that I mean, look, episode sixteen was star crossed. It was the flat. It was it was an episode in itself, so it had its own story. But then it led into the flash crossover at the end. When you go and you do that flash crossover on episode sixteen, and then go in the distant, and then go into distant sun, which was episode seventeen. As you mentioned, you're now on that home stretch. There's no more villain of the week episodes. There shouldn't be, at least. If you have to do one more, maybe like an episode, you know, maybe episode 17 was the, was the, and then, you know, 18 on, uh, you know, cause again, episode 18, you only have five episodes left. So, and as we had, we've criticized the show, as you mentioned, that for not establishing its big bad until what? Episode 21 mm-hmm. was when we finally figured out who the big bad was. And, and that was the penultimate. Well, we get a little bit more in City of Lost Children. Actually, more so in Alex is, uh, that episode is when we see Raya show up to Lena, give her the schematics to build the, you know, that, the, you know, the transport, uh, transportation yeah. array, you know, like, so we knew things are starting to move there, but like, she was such a background character in that episode, uh, as was her character through most of City of Lost Children, except for when we were like, oh, you know, Here's all the tie in stuff, but it was such a James focus episode that everything else was kind of blended in the background. Then it was just kind of like, oh, look, uh, they just turned on the big, bad, huge doomsday device. And we have two episodes to wrap this whole season up. So, 
Yeah, exactly. And we when we're just now getting confirmation that this is the big bad of the season. Although we kind yeah. I mean we knew it, but it, it was confirmed. It wasn't confirmed until that that big bad. I mean, like I would still say episode 21, which was resist and 22 and nevertheless she persisted. Uh they did a nice job of working with what they were given at that point, but I mean that seriously could have used so much more fleshing out and I think those three episodes are a big reason on or a big reason why it wasn't because they wrote those <laughs> and that was their mistake is yeah. writing those three episodes or or having them placed that close to the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, like I, I like you said they they did they worked with what they had, but I mean, going back and thinking about it, when the Daxamites come over and you know start to attack the city and and start to take over the city, dude, I would have loved a storyline where we saw that happen maybe in episode 17 or 18. And then for three or four episodes, like super like Kara and Alex and, you know, and John and all those guys, they're the underdogs and they've kind of gone underground until they can develop a plan. And then we see them all come out and and figure out how to finish it up in the finale. Yeah, Uh, I mean, like that would have been amazing. A big resistance movement, especially if you have Tyler for a few more episodes and you have a dictator Superman working for Rhea for a couple episodes man how awesome would that have been and then like you know you still have Cat Grant come in in episode 21 in this last moment of a rallying cry of her returning in and like you still could have done all this stuff because I mean Christ like looking through the Daxamite show up near the moon in episode 15 that's when everything started getting set up and you know Episode sixteen, Starcross, was done by Kevin. Was that Kevin Smith? I believe. Uh, uh, no, uh, Distant Sun. Was, Distant was, Sun. Yeah. Distant Sun. Uh, but Starcross, uh, yeah, is, is the first big push of them. That would have given them such enough time to do everything well. But yeah, so. I mean, you said it. A resistance movement is is exactly what I was thinking. I've seeing those guys forming a resistance movement, and and like you mentioned too, having like a dictatorish uh, Superman, dude. That's right out of Injustice. And that's like his costume even looks like the Superman costume from Injustice. So you take those storylines from that and you incorporate it into the show and that you take those those characters, as you mentioned, building the resistance movement for like three or four episodes until everything comes to a head at the end. That would have been fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's a little Injustice, a little bit of Red Sun, like kind of getting to blend a lot of these interesting Superman stories and make it it's something unique. And its own that ties it nicely to Monel. There's a good reason for Carr to be involved, and National City. Watching this resistance build, like you could have done this starting at Ace Reporter, if everything went down that happened in City of Lost Children, like midway through episode 18, then you would have had episode 19 and 20 to have this all play out. And then wrap up in twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, and not only that, but you you would have gone into season three with Kara being a much much stronger and favorited character to the people of National City. Um, you know, as far I mean, as far as I know, like yes, at the end of uh of the season, nevertheless, she persisted. She challenges uh, Rhea to to the fight, but how much of the public actually knows that she did that? You know, yeah. I, I mean, it, it it was covered on the news, I think. And I think there was a news report about it. Um, but, I mean, you don't really get to know that. But you take a resistance movement and you have her being the head of it where she has to come from below and 
and wins this back and wins the city back for, you know, for the people. Now you have a much stronger character in Supergirl going into season three. Yeah. And, I mean, and which was one of the things that I had mentioned in season one was I felt like sometimes they focused a little too much on Kara, on Alex being the strong, Alex being stronger than Kara. Right. Um, you know, but you, you do all this. I mean, it's a little too late. Obviously hindsight is 2020, but, uh, the writers could have done so much more with, with the ending of this season. Yeah. So, um, favorite and least favorite moments. Uh, I'm just gonna blur it right out. I mean, favorite moment. I've already talked about it. First sight of Superman in 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 episode one. Yeah, I'll, I'll back you up on that. But I will say, you know, outside of that, the uh, Alex and Maggie relationship and watching that play out this season, I think that was handled with so much care. I think they abused it a little bit near the end there, a little bit. But uh, the earlier sections of that storyline playing out, I think, were beautifully, beautifully handled. Uh, and I really want to give the show showrunners so much credit because I did dig them a little bit just a couple minutes ago. But this is something they got right incredibly well. And they wrote these characters perfectly. I, I really, you know, bought into everything, um, you know, hook, line and sinker. And I was really invested in watching the relationship grow, watching Alex go through the struggle and watching her and Maggie ultimately, you know, come together, which is a shame because Next season, <laughs> yeah, uh, ju- just uh, that whole thing went up in smoke because of the actress getting ready to leave the show now. So, um, so I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. No, I, I agree with you, but I mean, on the same note, if we're going to talk about relationships between two characters as being his favorite moments, um, then I, I mean, I'm going to back mine up with Superman. But I'm also going to say I really grew to love the relationship between James and Wynn. Uh, you know, win as the man in the van. And I just loved the interaction between the two of them. Uh, even, even particular moments where, you know, in the beginning of that relationship, when it was starting with win as the man in the van, with win being the voice of reason behind James, you know, like you were going to get yourself killed. Uh, you know, and I don't want to be a part of this. So, I mean, that relationship grew and changed throughout the course of the second half of the season from, you know, almost like older brother to younger brother in which Wynn was the older brother and the voice of reason, as I mentioned, to, um, you know, again, being the man in the van. I, I almost take it as like Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger from True Lies. With Tom Arnold being the guy doing the whippy or the quippy comments over the microphone and the headset to Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, to, to James. So I, I also give my favorite moment to that relationship too, because I thought that was a, 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 I loved seeing the two of them on screen together when they were working with Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, pretty fantastic. So least favorite moments. Um, uh, dude, I, I don't know. Um, uh, honestly, I, uh, I hate to kind of use it again, but it's kind of the truth is uh, the entire, you know, plot of Rhea is the big bad. Um, it just was not utilized well. Uh, and the fact that they just it, it never had any gravitas. It was just it was kind of like, hey, they're here and you now they go away. And as much as I loved Terry Hatcher in Lois and Clark, I did not care for her in Supergirl at all. Um, I, I, I she was such a ham-fisted villain and it just didn't work it really really didn't work here um yeah i I agree with that completely i'll even take it a step further and that my my least favorite moment is actually a moment that never happened 
uh, and that being shared screen time between Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain. Yeah, yeah, you would think you would at least find a way to shoehorn that in for just a second. Uh, I mean, the fact that they didn't do that, and I understand sometimes scripts and plots don't work out that way, but you have both of these characters on your show. How do you not do this? Yeah. Especially in a show about DC characters. I mean, you you have Rhea and um and Lena in 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 Lena's office talking about their plan and in walks uh uh, what the hell's her mother's name? Um, Lil, uh, Lillian. Lillian. And you yeah. have Lillian Luther and her henchman, Jeremiah Danvers, walk into the office. All they do is walk in and be like, you're busy, darling. I'll come back. Mm-hmm. You have shared screen time between the two of them. Right. Even if Done. it's just a second, like it's that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, and you can tell by the way they filmed these things that they they probably never were even on set together to see each other. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of a shame. So, I mean, I, I, I'm going to give my least favorite moment to a moment that never happened, and that's yeah. we never got any shared screen time between the two of them. Yeah, Ugh. <laughs> wasted opportunity. Oh, but now comes the fun part. We've already talked about this. <laughs> let's rate <laughs> the villain of the season. Uh, let's rate the big bad. Uh, when we do the rating systems for this and when we rate the season as well, uh, we're still going to give it our one of 10 point rating system, one through 10, one through three being sidekick, four through six, four through seven being, um, uh, hero and eight through 10 being sidekick or being legend. I'm going backwards. Um, rating the villain of this season. Um, it's very clear. This is going to be a low rating. Yeah. Um, I think you and me are both going to say sidekick. It's the question of what the number is. <laughs> um, it, there was so much more potential to this. Um, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to fall to. It uh, wasn't I, the worst. They got the job done, but they were lazy. Um, so there was so much potential, so much more they could have done with this. So uh, while I'm not happy with it at all, obviously we've been talking about it and, and ranting about it. Um, it's a sidekick. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. I think, you know, if they kept up with the Cadmus angle, uh, for the rest of the season, uh, we, we were getting some really, really good stuff there with, with Lillian's character and watching her trying to, you know, get inside Lena's head. Um, if they could have had the opportunity to continue that, do more with Jeremiah and really make him questionable as a as a villain, have time to actually develop Hank Henshaw, I think you could have had a drastically better finale this season. And I think if they did something with the Dax points and gave him a full season, they could have done something with it. I think the fact that we were given Cadmus for so long this season, about like 14 episodes really, where that was the big focal point. Um, actually 15 episodes because Cadmus was a big part of episode 15 um, where we first see the Daxamite chip at the end and then Cadmus comes into play uh, at the end as kind of the heroes of it all Um, but yeah I I think in the grand scheme of things you could have potentially had like a 7 or an 8 for your villain instead we're we're giving it a 3 so and I think it's because Cadmus is a foil to Kara not really the villain as far as how they've used them. I mean, they've used them as kind of parts of the villain of the week stuff and 
a way to move some of these characters forward. But if they if they got to lean into that full force, I think we could have gotten something drastically better. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, going into rating the season as a whole, uh, same rating system, one through three sidekick, four through seven hero, and eight through ten legend. Um, what do you think uh, this one deserves? Obviously, with uh, the big bad hurting the season, um, I think it's going to be it's very obvious on my part that it's 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 gonna uh, i i would be remiss if i gave i, I if i gave it a sidekick because it's not that the season was not that bad the villain didn't hurt it that bad but it's not getting a legend either no yeah i can't i mean like i said i'm thinking hero too uh I, i'm leaning somewhere between a six or a seven for the season yeah i think i'm going with a seven um yeah um you know the fact that like the last two episodes were so strong uh, and the first two episodes of the season were so strong, and there was just a lot of middling stories that happened out throughout it. But they gave, gave us some some really fun characters, some really good characterization, some really really good stories. Um, and, and now that we know that next season, like that, this show is going to be a part of the big crossover. It's not just a stinger anymore. Uh, we have no idea what else is going to be coming for us at this point. But I mean, this was a great way to write the ship from the CBS days to CW. But there's a lot of room for improvement still. And the same thing that it ran into in season one that they didn't fix in season two was not sticking your landing. Um, and again, because that's there and we even said it, there's now you're talking about five episodes at the end of the season that are kind of wasted. So because those final two episodes, they, they made the best of a bad situation, but they could have been something that much bigger. So I, I don't see in my mind how I can give this anything higher than a seven. So I'm going to say a seven. Yeah. Um, going into next season, though, I, thinking about this a little bit ever since we heard the news, if if done right, we know that a new villain is coming into next season, and that is Rain, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, a Doomsday-like character, only female. Yeah, one and, of the world killers. And, yeah. and more intelligent than Doomsday, obviously. Um if we get the same treatment to Rain as we did with Monel, because we did see a, we saw another uh, pod crash land uh, at the end of season one into season two, and we ended up getting Monel, and we got Monel for the entire season. If we get Rain for the entire season, and it's a Rain kind of like in the Death of Superman saga with Cadmus being responsible for Doomsday, if we get a Doomsday or if we get a Cadmus Rain collaboration as the big bads this season i'll be very happy i will be pleased about this about this upcoming season three well i don't think we're going to see a collaboration because again ultimately look at cadmus cadmus hates aliens i don't see them mixing with them just even to take somebody down um their whole idea is that aliens suck and they all should be wiped out um Especially, you know, hey, look, it's another Krypton. This is another... I think one thing that they did well in Season 2 was setting up Cadmus saying, this is why aliens suck. Uh, Look at what just happened to our city. Now look at this now world killer coming down and just decimating everything. You know, what's going to happen with all this? I think you're going to see Cadmus kind of rise to the ranks as maybe some of the heroes in the eyes of the people in National City. And I think this could be something that they could play into really interestingly. I think watching the political end of that spectrum 
fall on the show and how that plays out. Uh, I, I would love to see them play with that a little bit more. Well, if, that, um, if, if that's the case and that actually ends up and that actually is the, the direction that they go, that would be a good way to bring James as the guardian that we know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially if we see like the DEO is not giving – you know, guarding the proper treatment that he feels he deserves, but Cadmus has kind of stepped up and become the heroes of the city as well in, in assisting them. Then he, you could see him kind of turn on Kara a little bit, not necessarily completely, but team up with Cadmus rather than the DEO and guardian. And that's when we get the guardian that we know. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a high chance of that. I mean, like I said, you know, it's funny. Uh, just one of the things that we didn't bring up that the show did incredibly well in season two was, one of the big focal points on it was them playing with that whole xenophobia uh, and how much light that they brought to it and focused on it this season. I would love to see them continue that into next season. I really, really want to see that played up, especially with uh, how that's going to play out now with Rain into the picture. Um, now, the question is, if they have this character like Rain in the mix, do you think we're going to see a, a death of Supergirl somewhere in the season? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's something I would want to see, to be honest. What, what if they did that at the end of the season? It leading into a fourth season? Mm-hmm. Um, I might be okay with it if it's done right. Um, but, but we're kind of also seeing it right now in the DCEU. So is it something do we, that we think the show would kind of copy? That's a good question. Um, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's something they, w- they would do. I mean, obviously, Rain has never killed Supergirl. Um, but it, now the question is kind of what they're going to do with this whole thing. So I, I'm very curious to see how that, how that plays out. But I, I think this is a really good way to go. You know, again, a little bit of bu- a little bummed that they're going with another Kryptonian like like character. Um, but I think this is a, this is a good way, a good way to do it. It's not we're not getting Zod. Which I love that they gave us that little, the way that they teased us in, uh, you know, the finale. And that worked out incredibly well with Nevertheless, She Persisted, where Clark is seeing her as Zod, which was perfect. And I'm like, awesome, we're not getting Zod as the big bad, and that's not who I want. Um, but Rain, Rain will will indeed work and fit into that pretty well, so. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned, you know, you're, you're kind of bummed that we're getting another Kryptonian, and it's kind of sort of similar to The Flash in that, you know, every season as of yet, with the exception of this upcoming fourth season, uh, we've gotten a speedster as the villain. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Supergirl's kind of going through the same thing. But, uh, you know, uh, you're working with what people know. I mean, you you have a speedster who has speedster villains. You have a Kryptonian who has Kryptonian villains. So, it, it's, I, I mean, I'm not saying that's the way to handle it, but that's that's what we're getting. So. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, the big question for me next season is, yeah, there's some rumblings now that uh, they're going to do another love interest for Kara. Um, and I don't know if that's a good move. <laughs> I really, really don't. It, it um, could add, it could definitely add some drama, especially when mon returns. Yeah, because I, I really hope that Chris Wood is going to be a season regular. I don't want to see him, you know, be severely lacking for the first chunk of the season and then come back in the back half because of what a great character he was and the connection point to everything. So to see them try to do that and kind of create relationship drama for them in that Avenue, I think would be a little, little much, a little weird. I can see Kara become kind of like the crazy cat lady. Give me goddamn streaky, the super cat already <laughs> uh, in her, in her uh, trying to wait for, see what's going to happen. Um, like the fact that she's still dealing with some depression about her love life with, 
Monel now being gone, I can see her being like, I'm going to adopt a cat. Eat Ben and Jerry's with my sister after her girlfriend leaves her, too. So, oh, um, God, the beginning of the season is going to be so depressing. <laughs> I think there's a high chance of it. <laughs> um, but I do think, though, when we do see Monel, I really, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain my brain is saying we're going to get Legion of Superheroes. I, and I think when Monel returns, I, I honestly, thinking about it, I don't think it's going to be in the beginning of the season. I don't think it's going to happen until the second half. I think that could be the case, and I really hope I'm wrong. But I do hope that when he does come back, he's got a Legion flight ring because uh, that would be fantastic. And I think that's the right avenue for this show to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've been predicting that for a while. Mm-hmm. So. Um, all right. Well, I guess that that about wraps it up for the Supergirl portion of the annual. Uh, well, we actually came in a lot, lot shorter than I anticipated. So. Well, about 45 minutes. So yeah, yeah, we're, that's true. we're doing pretty good, but we still got news to do. We do. Um, and we'll talk about some of the upcoming episodes because we actually figured out our schedule for the summer, which is, for the most part, we've we've got at least the next couple of weeks uh, planned ahead. Uh, but I'll turn it over to you first for the news. Okay. So uh, one of the things I, I have to bring up, and I'm really happy that this is now out there for people to watch online, but uh, Warner Brothers did release that nice little animated intro that is now in front of all the DC films. So if you haven't watched that, that means you haven't seen Wonder Woman on the big screen, so shame on you. Yeah, that um, intro, dude, I, I wanted to mention that when we talked about Wonder Woman before. Uh, that intro is pretty badass. I love it. It reminds me of a lot of the Justice League animated series uh, that was on Cartoon Network years ago. From the Bruce Tim verse that has that very similar feeling, but then when you get to spawn out and see all those characters, it looks very Alex Ross like. So I get chills from it, and you're like, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. Uh, but you know what? The funny thing is, we never even brought it up when we talked about Wonder Woman. So uh, the, the the characters they focus on are that are uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Cyborg, Flash, Aquaman, and then Green Lantern. So are they telling us something in that intro alone? I don't know. I was thinking about that, too. (laughs) Because I watched Wonder Woman last night again. So uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm surprised we haven't brought that up yet. So Uh, but I have a feeling they are definitely telling us something that we don't know about Justice League there. It's a big wait and see, though. So, uh, But also, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up about Wonder Woman. But it is now the DCEU's highest domestic grocer. For the states, uh, so props to them. The film has now, I think, broken seven hundred million dollars. I believe just uh, just the other day, but like I said, so worldwide, and I believe the the movie just the other day was broke three hundred and thirty million domestically. So um, it, it it was already, I think it was like at uh, it, the time of this reporting, I think it was like two hundred and fifty mil over uh, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. So. Uh, congrats, congrats to them on, on breaking that line. I think so, I'm going to watch it again tonight. I'm probably going to watch it yet again <laughs> as well tonight, even though I just watched it last night. Yeah. And, uh, actually I enjoyed it even more watching it uh, a second time. So I haven't watched it a second time yet. So I think that's why I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it a second time for that reason. Yeah. Well, let's uh, stay in the realm of the DCEU, and let's talk a little bit about the Batman. Since we haven't heard too, too much about this, but Matt Reeves is uh, obviously making the rounds with uh, War of the Planet of the Apes out there now, uh, or just about to come out. I forget what the actual uh, start date of that film. Uh, is it this coming week, I believe? I th- Yeah, I think it's this coming week. Okay. Uh, so they, they did say that uh, he got a chance to talk a little bit about his version of the character. He says there's a chance to do an almost noir-driven detective version of Batman that is point of view driven in a very, very powerful way. 
that will hopefully connect the viewers to what's going on inside his head and inside his heart. Um, so they said that's the one thing that has not really been done with the character is really focus on that, that detective side. And I would love to see this. I would love to see a noir version of Batman. Like, you know, like getting him monologuing in his head a little bit. Like, how fantastic would that be? Because that's the way so many of his books are written. Um, and get to see how he's going to focus and putting together the pieces of a puzzle would, would be really fun to see. So. Well, well, I mean, I can tell you just from seeing, you know, other examples of noir movies like Mad, um, Mad Max, uh, Fury Road and Logan, uh, Dude, I love noir versions of films when they do that. So, I mean, even if this is something that they do in full color and they do it normal with just a noir feel to it and then re-release it as a noir, like black and white, I'd be down for that, too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, jumping over into uh, a little odd story here. I thought it was weird, but I feel like we have to bring it up. Um, so, there was a nice little exchange between Mark Miller and uh, the director from uh, Kong Skull Island, which was uh, Jordan Voight Roberts, and said uh, he's actually spoken to Warner Brothers, and uh, they originally had turned down his pitch to do a Superman Red Sun film. Uh, but they said, um, apparently, it's not completely out of the question, and everybody is like, no, stop, no, no, no. <laughs> I loved, I, I loved your reaction when you posted this, and you were just like, let's just try and get Superman right first. Yeah, please. And I agree with that completely. You know what? I would love to see this in a couple of years if they say, hey, you know what? The main stories of the DCEU are all wrapped up for the time being, but you know what? These characters or these actors still want to play these characters and then just do a whole series of Elseworld mo- uh, movies. That would be so cool to see. Uh, I would love to see that just for them playing in like other little side stories that have happened. But for God's sakes, just don't even <laughs> consider this for a second and no, just move you, on. No, you haven't even, as you mentioned it, like you haven't even f- completely developed Superman yet. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I, we're all hoping that we're going to get a different version of Superman when he returns in Justice League, but we haven't seen it yet. So how can the um, granted there are people out there that are completely on board with Man of Steel and fucking love that movie. I talked to one this weekend. Uh, I don't even remember who it was because I ignored him for the rest of the night after he told me he <laughs> loved Man of Steel. But, uh, you know, he told me he's like, oh, I loved Man of Steel. I thought it was great. And I'm like, you need to go away. Hey, shut up. You, you're not supposed to talk about your co-host that way. But <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> and I, I, I do enjoy Man of Steel quite a bit. There's this, there's some serious problems. No, this and was I, somebody who didn't think there was anything wrong with it at all. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. you are completely blind, sir. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, one of the things we need to get into is, uh, you know what? Normally, I don't like to read stuff like this because... Well, it's kind of tricky on how to kind of tackle this, but because a lot of people are thinking this is just a rumor, but there is some descriptions now for the second Justice League trailer, which should probably be hitting at San Diego Comic-Con. But, you know, what? I'll go through and read it anyway as a just-in-case, because when I did read it, I was kind of excited. So, all right, so the full description... Uh, follows below, and then there's another little tiny bit that happens at the end, and I'll have to jump to another story to read that to you. But uh, the trailer starts with the same footage of Batman recruiting Flash, then logos, including the new DC logo. We cut to a montage of the team, Bruce talking to Diana at some kind of museum, Cyborg looking depressed as he walks through the hall of the high school. Apparently we see him use some kind of holographic projector to blend in, Uh, and there's voiceover from Victor saying, I've never asked for this. I don't want to be something. 
then we see Aquaman in Atlantis, uh, apparently resemble, uh, something resembling some form of castle ruins, talking with Volko, who we all know is Willem Dafoe, about his destiny. And we see a matter, uh, mother box being guarded by Atlantean soldiers. When out of nowhere, there's an attack. Steppen, uh, Steppenwolf takes the mother box. Aquaman swims after him. And then Steppenwolf throws his axe at Aquaman in slow motion. We see Arthur dodge it. We then cut to Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Cyborg being overwhelmed by parademons in some kind of tunnel. The tunnel floods and Aquaman shows up to save the team. We get the dressed like a bat, I dig it line from Aquaman. And then we cut to the team entering the Batcave as Flash geeks out. Voiceover from Batman about the parademons referred to them as creatures kidnapping scientists. Wonder Woman asks, uh, what's the plan? As Flash asks Alfred from, for some service, Alfred shrugs and walks away. Uh, montage of some action slow-mo shots of Wonder Woman falling while trying to reach her sword as Flash tips it with his finger so she can grab it. Cyborg punches Aquaman as Aquaman throws him against the wall as the shot transitions into Aquaman throwing Bruce against the wall. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Flash guarding what appears to be a scout ship. Batman gliding into a parademon, Steppenwolf stepping on Wonder Woman's chest, Wonder, uh, sorry, Cyborg standing on a football field, Flash then making a joke about Cyborg looking like the Tin Man. And then as we get the title card for the film, we see one final thing where everybody is jokingly referred to as the money shot as Batman is driving towards some kind of ship. When Superman in the black suit, beard and mullet and all, lands right in front of him, red eyes and an evil smirk. There's fire in the background and raining ash uh, where Batman looks uh, looks at the uh, basically says, ah, shit. And then the trailer ends. So um, I I want to see it if, just for the money shot alone. Yeah, that's so. that's really the only interest I have in that trailer. Not because I don't want to see the movie. I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see Justice League and hope that they, they do it right, um, especially after Wonder Woman and knowing now that Joss Whedon has a little bit of a hand in the final product. But um, again, I, I'm a huge fan of that death and return of Superman storyline. So if we get to see that version of Superman, I'm kind of excited. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do handle that. So, uh, so let's jump over onto the small screen and let's talk a little bit about the Flash. And unfortunately, I'm here to tell a whole bunch of people something that nobody wants to I hear. No, uh, I'm so sorry, folks. Keenan Lonsdale did say this specifically just the other day. Um, you know, as far as him taking over as the Flash, sorry, that's not on my radar. Uh, that Lonsdale said to Newsweek. I feel as though there is so much story to tell, and Wally has so much growing to do. I like to see that journey continue. That's what I think is important right now. When you see these characters reali- uh, realistically get to where they are headed for, so it sounds like if we were hoping to see him as the Flash when we start the season up, um, be disappointed. I think he's so, a liar. Uh, I, there, I think there is a chance of that. So <laughs> he could uh, just be telling this to people just to kind of like. Throw him off the set, yeah. but you know what? Um, you know, I'd like to see how this is going to pan out, though. It's a, it's a big wait and see because I, I am questioning would they actually consider doing that though? Because we already saw him as the Flash uh, when last season started, when we were in Flashpoint. So I'm wondering if they would actually do that again. So it's uh, something interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, jumping over into Arrow now, uh, when we uh, recently saw a little uh, like nice little interview with Stephen Amell. He said, as far as season six is concerned, he said, he's like, I've said that it's very, very, very important that Oliver doesn't take away lessons from season five 
and doesn't keep doing the things that have led to the catastrophic event that we leave with. The character stops being interesting to me if we don't actually grow from here. So I hope that part of me in season six, and we have seasons beyond that, I hope that part of, uh, part of that is that we get back to a lot of the tenets that people recognize from the comics now. That is, of course, is more humor and social consciousness and more of a, a, a very much a slightly liberal superhero as we've seen Green Arrow be for many, many years now. So it sounds like we are actually going to be heading more in that direction for season six. So uh, I would be uh, it would be interesting to finally see the wisecracking, smiling Oliver Queen. And uh, what I think would be even better about that is when we get to see him interact with people like the Flash. So. Um, so it's just a wait and see. Uh, a little bit now about, and again, very little about this, but as far as the crossover between Arrow, Flash, Legends, and Supergirl, uh, as far as what Mark Guggenheim said about this, is like if we end up doing what we're talking about, it's going to be pretty damn cool. The crossover is always the most challenging thing we do every season, but it's also the most fun. Every year we feel the pressure to top ourselves, and I feel like each crossover has probably topped the previous one. Topping last year's, that's a really fucking high bar. Yeah. Uh, if for, for no certain. other reason, then what do you do that's bi- a bigger threat than aliens? We've got some very, very exciting ideas very early, early on in the process of doing some of last year's crossover. Greg said there's a po- uh, there's po- like probably no way to get bigger than aliens. So the best way is to make the next crossover especially epic. If you can't increase the bomb- uh, bombastic feel, increase the emotional stakes and the emotional payoffs. So that's the very oblique comments where our heads are at for this season. Uh, no, that makes me wonder if they're going to try to do a crisis-like event and we're going to lose Dude. somebody in the crossover. Dude, so. if 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 we could see... Holy shit. If we could see a crisis on two Earths kind of thing where we see, like, the crime syndicate Earth somehow find a way to invade and we see you know, Ultraman and Owlman and Superwoman and, um, God damn, how awesome would that be? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I, I think, I think, it. I think I would squeal louder than I did when I saw the Hall of Justice. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're using Power Ring because there's nothing that says they can't use Power Ring. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm already excited at the fact that I heard a theory that Gotham is actually training Bruce to become Owlman and not Batman, which I think is amazing if that's the if that's the route that they go. Um, but if we saw like a crisis on two Earths, man, that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so the last big thing we have to talk about TV before we uh, close out with the final story of the night is uh, we have seen something that I thought we would wait and see uh, from San Diego Comic Con. I apologize, guys, for some other reason reading copy is just not working with me today. I probably should have used glasses, but oh well. <laughs> so um, is uh, Flash Season 4, Episode 1. The synopsis is now up as long as uh, we see... Yep, the new story did not lock out on me. So apparently one of them has already been taken offline, but I guess this was supposed to be held for San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, but Flash Season 4, Episode 1, running up against an evil time remnant version of yourself in some, is something no one should ever have to do. But that's exactly what faced Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, as he fought to save the life of his fiancée, Iris West, from the god of speed known as Savitar. Barry's victory was short-lived. However, as an unbalanced speed force began to wreak havoc on Central City, forcing Barry to sacrifice himself for the greater good. With the uh, fastest man alive, now trapped inside an extra-dimensional energy, and unknown dangers lurking in the shadows would be up to Team Flash to free Barry from his own personal hell. 
Um, so kind of odd that they used that his own personal hell in there because uh, we did see in the finale where they said that's not where he's going. It's time to rest. Uh, so um, I, maybe they don't remember their own writing, but that's that's my thoughts. <laughs> so, uh, but jumping over now to Arrow, season six, episode one, with the future of the team left hanging in the balance. Oliver gave new definition to the phrase blowing up the show. Uh, some of these have to do, by the way, too. It's not the synopsis, it's just for the show, but some of the things to do with San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, the emotional showdown between Oliver Queen and Adrian Chase with the perfect conclusion to the stellar fifth season of CW's gritty DC superhero series. Now the focus shifts to an uncovering the fate of each and every member of Team Arrow. Could anyone have possibly survived an island-wide explosion or has the book closed on them? As it has on Oliver's five-year bla- uh, flashback story. Uh, and then it says, returning to San Diego Comic-Con for the sixth consecutive year, cast members Stephen Amell, David Ramsey, Willa Holland, Emily Bett Rickards, Paul Blackthorne, Katie Cassie, Echo Cole, and Juliana Harkov, and Rick Gonzalez and producers will be on hand for an IOMD conversation about the upcoming season. And then Legends of Tomorrow Season 3, Episode 1. This is actually the shortest synopsis that we've seen for this, because we've already heard full versions of this quite a few times already. Uh, but after crash landing the Wave Rider in a version of 2017 Los Angeles where dinosaurs roam the streets in the skyline is adorned with London's iconic Big Ben clock tower. The legends were quick to realize that we broke time. Last year, the lovable band of misfit heroes traveled back through the timeline fixing a series of aberrations. So, and the last story for the week is something small, but kind of makes us all very, very happy. Young Justice Season 3 has already five episodes fully in the can. We don't know the full episode count. Actually, I take that back. It looks like we may now have it. Hold on. Skimming, skimming, skimming. No, we don't. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we do know, uh, let's see, episode, or season one was 26 episodes, season two was 20, uh, and no one yet knows where uh, Outsiders is going to fall with Young Justice. So, wait and see. But at least five in the can already, which is a uh, Actually, a lot further along than I think I think anybody anticipated. So, uh, yeah, cool. Hey, and another thing we have coming up too that we didn't talk about that will probably fit into the summer somewhere. Um, uh, Batman and Harley mm-hmm. is going to be coming out. I think on a VOD on April August fifteenth, uh, yeah. and DVD and Blu Ray August 29th. Right. So. Uh, I believe um, they are showing that at San Diego Comic Con. So. Okay. Yeah, so well, I'm sure we'll get some advanced reviews of that uh, coming out of San Diego Comic Con. Um, while we're talking about it, let's uh, we can go over our, our upcoming weeks for the next couple weeks, uh, just so people get an idea as to what uh, we'll be discussing over the next couple weeks. Obviously, this week is our Supergirl annual. Next week, we're going to do another panel for you uh, right out of Harrisburg Comic Con. Uh, my panel with David Ramsey. Uh, we're we're going to play for you in full next week, uh, which was a lot of fun. I love being on stage with David. Especially when it's one on one, so that was an absolute treat to be one on one with him and and talk about and man, some of the stuff we talk about is all. The, I, I give you an idea, real quick, and I, I'm kind of like humble bragging a little bit here. Um, anytime I do a panel, you the audience gets to ask a lot of questions if if you have a good engaging audience. So you, as a panel moderator, you kind of have to you have to prepare for the the fact that. The audience might not ask any questions, which means you have a 45 minute long panel. You should go into that panel as a moderator with enough questions to carry that entire panel by yourself. If you 
if you don't have an engaging audience, which unfortunately for two panels at Harrisburg Comic Con was pretty much the case. Uh, I had to carry the panels and I was able to do it. David Ramsey is one of those panels that I am so confident going into. I have nothing prepped when I go into a panel with David because I- I'll set the scene for you a little bit. The panel I I moderated before David was Randy Havens and Chester Rushing from Stranger Things. And the microphones are on stands on the table. And we're kind of just like leaning on the table, leaning into the microphones. And then the David Ramsey panel starts. And it's David walks. I walk out. I introduce David. David walks up. David addresses the crowd. We sit back. We grab the microphones off the stands. And we lean back in our chairs like we're just two dudes sitting on a couch having a conversation. That's how it is casually with David. And I honestly did not look at my prep one time during the interview with him because he's such an engaging person. You just feed off of each other. I feed off of him. He fed off of me. And then the audience got involved as well. And it was just, it's fantastic. So I, I can't wait till next week for you guys to hear this panel because I'm very, very proud of it. I'm very, I can't wait. I'm I'm kind of hoping that when Heroes and Villains comes to New Jersey in September, I get the arrow panel again so I can be on stage with them again. Very cool. Uh, so uh, so let's go through our schedule for the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And, that's that's uh, what we were getting into, and I completely diverted. Um, <laughs> next week, uh, July 9th is the day we're recording, so it'll be the 10th for you, Monday the 10th, uh, will be the David Ramsey panel. Monday the 17th will be our Flash uh, annual number three. The 24th will be uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Um, we may record that Monday night, but I think we're going to be good with recording it as we usually do on Sunday because most of the DC stuff will be out by then. Um, so when we are recording for the 23rd into the 24th, uh, we'll be, we're gonna recap everything that we know that came out of San Diego Comic Con, if there's any which trailers. I, which I expect to be in abundance. Uh, we, we had that report last week that they already said Hall H expect a lot of bombshells. Uh, I would definitely expect we're gonna get that next big Justice League trailer. I'm sure we're gonna get a full roster of all the upcoming films in DC Slate. I wouldn't be surprised to see the, uh, actual selection for the actual new, new director of Flash happening then as well. Uh, and maybe it's very possible we could see our first images of, I think, maybe Batgirl. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe announced casting there as well. So, yeah. um, and I would assume we'll also get some nice little spoilers for what's to come for the uh, Arrowverse. So, yeah, I mean, and you're gonna, you're gonna see us posting a lot of this shit on the Facebook page, like over the course of the weekend. So if you don't, if you're not able to follow, all the, the, the stuff that's coming out of San Diego Comic Con, just follow the Facebook page because between Rob and I, it's going to be posted a lot. Um, we usually try, I know I tell Rob to do this a lot, like to kind of space things out so we're not like bunt throwing it all at you at once and you miss something, but that might be a weekend where you might miss something because there might be a lot that we're posting. So uh, just keep an eye on the Facebook page. Uh, continuing with the schedule, Sunday the 30th and Monday the 31st will be our annual um, Arrow annual number five. And then after that, going into August, we have some plans. Um, we're going to play a uh, a John Barrowman panel from Heroes and Villains Atlanta, uh, kind of as a little going away to John since he is leaving the Arrowverse this season. Uh, we're going to hook up with Shad, who won the contest, who's being going to be able to hook up, um, host a 
uh, a podcast of his own, and we're going to become the co-hosts. Uh, and uh, I, we're going to throw in another Silver Age in there somewhere, uh, as well as a partial uh, second half of the season Gotham Annual. So there's four weeks in August right there, which means just a couple more weeks into September, we got to fill, man, and our summer's done. We're back to business. Yeah, yeah, we are. So, so like I said, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, well, that I think that... Let's uh, do cheap plugs and get out of here. Then we'll. Uh, I know you and me both are ready for dinner. So yeah, <laughs> so. I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> it's going on eight thirty here at the time we're recording. So, um, any recommendations this week or or no? Um, actually, nothing for me. I, I'm I'm actually just kind of exhausted. So. Okay, uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna make a quick one. I'm gonna break away from the DC universe for a second. I know last week I recommended Baby Driver to you guys because I got to go to a screening of that. Uh, but since then, I've actually gone to an early screening of Spider-Man: Homecoming. And no spoilers, but I will tell you as far as as far as Marvel movies go, it's uh it's good. It's it's in the top half of my favorite Marvel movies. As far as Spider-Man movie goes, fucking nailed it. It is what you would expect out of a Spider-Man movie. So it's, it's what they needed to, to do. If you were a fan of Tom, um, uh, Tom Holland, it's Holland, right? My mind went blank. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 If you were a fan of him and the Spider-Man that you got in Civil War, you're going to love this movie. So uh, I'll just leave it for you at that. And it, I will tell you in the beginning, talking about opening promos, we were talking about the DC one. It was so weird sitting in a theater, seeing the Sony logo pop up and then the Marvel logo hit. Like, cause that doesn't happen. Like, cause they're two separate entities. This is the first collaboration that we're seeing out of this. And I think it's basically Marvel did this and Sony just threw their name on it. Cause they yeah. own the property of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Indeed. but go, go and see, uh, Spider-Man opens this week. So, um, uh, if you have time, go and see Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I, I liked it. Awesome. Uh, cheap plugs. Uh, you can find me on my other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I'm back in the development of my Wilhelm Files. Um, uh, film roundtable podcast, which will hopefully be starting, I think around September, I'm, I'm aiming at, uh, with, uh, our friend Chris Mannix, who's going to be co-hosting that with me as well. That's only going to be like a monthly to bi-monthly thing. But if you're a fan of film, it's definitely one you should check out. Uh, nextlevelradioonline.com is where you can find everything pertaining to the Next Level Network, uh, Next Level Podcast Network, and of course, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And for me, you can always find me as well at Next Level uh, through the Caffeine Crew Cast of Podge, which is the monthly geek culture podcast. Uh, I know our new episode should be going up in just a second. It'll be up I by think- the time you're hearing this. Yep. So uh, everybody just check that out. And uh, that's that's it for us. Yeah. Uh, so as always, we thank you for uh, for joining us and being a part of this community. Thank you for listening, of course. And we got to throw a shout out to the person... Um, um, I never remember his YouTube handle is so complicated. Like it's not anything usual. It's um, N7. Uh, we'll post the link on the, on the Facebook page again. But he's the one that provides all the music for uh, for all, all of our our annuals. Uh, but thank you for being a part of the community. Thank you for posting. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs>